And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. One of the Christmas Eve traditions I have encountered at every Episcopal church I have been associated with throughout my life is the singing of Silent Night after communion has been concluded. In many ways, it is a wonderful tradition, giving the congregation one more quiet time to reflect on the meaning of the celebration that we have just marked. Sleep in heavenly peace. Christ the Savior is born. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. This may sound strange to you, but I decided several Christmases ago that I want Silent Night to be sung at the very same place in my funeral. I decided this at the close of a very demanding year, both personally and professionally, where at every turn it seemed that nothing was calm, nothing was bright, and there was no change in sight. And then, kneeling before the altar, I heard and felt the impact of this beloved hymn and what it was really saying, that in the midst of the chaos and the turmoil of life and the world, God comes to us and is born, is born as one of us, and for a moment, all is calm and all is bright. And so I believe it will be for you and for me as we enter the kingdom. But we continue to live here and now in a world that is anything but calm and sometimes very dark. I've always enjoyed being present at this service on Christmas Day. It is always smaller, calmer, and distinctly different from the chaos of Christmas Eve services. Although we don't usually sing Silent Night at this service, in many ways this service does reflect the nature of that hymn. But now, in the light of day, things are somehow different than they were last night. Our attention has been turned from the anticipation of the birth of Jesus toward the implications of his birth. We have left behind the journey to Bethlehem and now reflect on the response of all of the creation and of those nearby to this marvelous event. We have moved from expectation and anticipation to reaction and action. I would guess that there have been hundreds, if not thousands, of Christmas songs, not hymns, but songs written in my lifetime. Most are not especially good, and many are not theologically sound. <laughs> Grandma got run over by a reindeer as an example. <laughs> One contemporary song that may make it into the, 19, the 2027 or the 2030 Episcopal hymnal, certainly one that would get my vote, that has been written in my lifetime would be, Do You Hear What I Hear? This hymn has an interesting history and origin. It was written in the fall of 1962 by a composer and a lyricist named Noel Regney and Gloria Shane Baker. Regney was inspired to write the lyrics, said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see, and pray for peace, people everywhere. After watching babies being pushed in strollers on the sidewalks of New York City in the midst of the Cuban Missile Crisis. 
Neither Baker nor Regney could perform the entire song at the time that they wrote it because of their high emotions surrounding that crisis. It was released at Thanksgiving of 1962, and during that Christmas season, over one quarter million copies of the first recording of this song were sold. And during the Christmas season of the following year, this song um, became so popular once it was sung by Bing Crosby. It remains to this day the top of the most frequently played secular Christmas songs some 47 years later. If you lived in the southeast portion of the United States at that time, and especially in a key center of transportation, commerce, and government, such as Atlanta, as I did, the world changed drastically in a very short period of time. We were well within the range of these nuclear missiles. I was in the second grade that year. We had duck and cover drills in our classrooms and practiced emergency evacuations of our schools, which included instructions that we run home as fast as we can in order not to be obliterated. If we stopped for anything, even if we were out of breath, we would not make it home to what we now know to have been less, way less than adequate bomb shelters. Atlanta and the world waited for whatever was to come. Finally, by the end of October, the crisis was resolved and we stepped back from the possible nightmare of nuclear warfare. But the uncertainty, anxiety, and fear of the possibilities of the future remained. Now back to, do you hear what I hear? Do you remember the pattern of the words of this wonderful little song? It retells the story of the nativity in a way not so unlike that which we have just heard in Luke's gospel. All of creation is responding to Jesus' birth, just as all of creation was waiting for the redeeming grace of God. The night wind speaks to a little lamb as the star of Bethlehem appears in the sky. The lamb speaks to a shepherd boy as they hear the heavenly host of angels sing out their proclamation to those keeping watch over their flock by night. The shepherds take action. First they go and worship the newborn Savior, and as they return, they begin glorifying and praising God. And then the shepherds became the first evangelists, making known abroad and proclaiming that God was about a new thing. God is with us. Emmanuel has arrived. And then in the song, the little shepherd boy goes to a mighty king. Obviously not the despicable Herod, but to some significant and powerful person and asks, do you know what I know? Do you know what I know? After hearing the witness of the young shepherd, the king takes action. Said the king to the people everywhere, listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people, everywhere. Do you hear what I hear was written as a cry for peace at a particular time, responding to a particular and frightening crisis? But its message speaks clearly to us today. Do we know what the shepherd boy knew? 
Can we hear it? Can we see it? It's not hard if we even stop for a moment and think to remember that this age is anything but a time of peace. At this very moment, this nation remains engaged in two wars. Our young people are spread across the globe fighting for our freedoms. There is anxiety and concern about health care reform, global warming, which initially as a geologist I discounted, but now I'm frightful of. And we cannot forget the financial crisis and its far-reaching impact on our families, our friends, and strangers all around the globe. Just, this is just the beginning of a long list of less than peaceful concerns. But today we come together and we celebrate the incarnation of the Prince of Peace. This morning we see the star in our mind's eye. We hear the wind carrying the songs of praises of the angels. Today we can pray for peace and will pray for peace. The end of armed conflict, not just that around the world, and not just the end of the fears and anxieties that we have, but we can pray for the peace that God sends to us in the face of a small child plump and laying in the cradle. Today we can know and reaffirm what the shepherd boy knew. Maybe, maybe just for a few moments here and now, we can glimpse the kingdom of God breaking into the world and know the calm and peace that radiates from the face of that newborn Christ child. And then we must not remain silent. We must carry the good news of the presence of God out into the world. We have received a gift, one that demands to be shared with the world about us, one that we need to share so people can know what we know, that those divisions that separate us and the brokenness of this world can be overcome by the birth of God here among us and that we do not lose hope. For God comes to us again and again and empowers us to be his people in the world. We can be no less active than the little shepherd boy and even carry it to the places where kings reside if that's what is before us. God has given us a gift. Now we are called to give it to others. Now, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And may that peace remain with us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.